discipleship gathering. And if you would like to join us via Zoom for the whole service, you can email us at info at city-temple.com. We're pleased and privileged to once again hear Pastor Rod as he preaches from the series called Ancient Words for a New Day. Well, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, don't worry, we're going to be in the Old Testament today in the book of Isaiah, uh, but I'm going to read those texts uh, as uh, I go through uh, the message for today. So you can put one finger in Isaiah, uh, and then, uh, but I'll read 1 Peter chapter 3. We're in our series, uh, Ancient Words for a New Day, or Old Words for a New Day. Uh, you can do either one. Uh, I've kind of bounced back and forth in what I've called this thing. But it's really looking at some key passages from the Old Testament and how they are speaking to our situation today uh, or describing our situation today and how we as Christians live in the light of that. Before we read, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true, and I thank you that it does apply to our situation right now. By your Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word today. And by your Holy Spirit, uh, just fill me up so that I can proclaim your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In 1 Peter, we pick up in chapter 3, verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. May God bless to us this reading of his holy word. Well, this has been a crazy week, and of course you've no doubt caught into many of the things that have been happening. One of the biggest, obviously, is uh, what I call the fiasco in Afghanistan. Uh, great, great tragedy there in what's going on. And unfortunately, the American president was really at the source of all of this. And it's really striking to me to have watched some of his reactions, some of the things he said, which were just patently untrue. You know, I thought that we shifted presidents to get rid of some of that, but even a man who's contradicting statements he said just a few days earlier, the kind of confusion has been really astounding to see. And the dishonesty, uh, again, has been really astounding to see. And then, of course, uh, if you're following the latest in COVID, and you probably haven't heard this, but now, apparently, COVID, you know, didn't originate in a Chinese laboratory. Uh, it actually originated in the laboratories 
of Fort Detrick in Maryland in the United States. Uh, apparently, some army officers there, were, when that's the, the center uh, for uh, uh, the military dealing with infectious diseases and such, apparently some army officers there were playing around with it and it got out and got to China somehow and then started to spread from there. At least that's the theory according to China right now. You may or may not have read that. Uh, and a lot of us in the West, we haven't heard that because China is not bothering to peddle that nonsense here in the West, but they are peddling it to about six billion other people around the world, many of whom are believing the lie. Or, uh, I don't know if you caught the radio interview with one of the founders of Extinction Rebellion uh, that's been gumming up all of London uh, this last week and uh, looks to continue to do so. But apparently it came out in her radio interview, we already knew that she came up with the idea of Extinction Rebellion after what is about 11,000 mile round trip uh, to Costa Rica where she was in some kind of uh, traditional ritual uh, where she got the inspiration for this. But uh, apparently she also drives a diesel in her comfortable Cotswold uh, existence and uh, was challenged about that and said, well, I, you know, I have to have the diesel to take my boys to soccer practice and, and uh, or football practice and uh, rugby and, uh, uh, and I can't afford an electric car. Not realizing how that's kind of the point for the rest of us, isn't it? Or uh, maybe you heard about John Cleese, uh, one of my favorite of Monty Python uh, because he's the tallest and uh, uh, he's still around and he's got a new documentary that's going to be coming out called Cancel Me uh, that's all about the giving and taking of offense in modern society in this whole what they use woke cancel culture that's going on and uh, if you know John Cleese it's probably guaranteed to be quite offensive to quite a number of people uh, who have certain leanings in their politics and ideologies. Uh, it goes beyond politics these days. And of course, you may or may not have heard of the latest from the Scottish National Party, the SNP, which now they're urging all teachers in Scotland uh, to take a white privilege test. Uh, by the way, uh, according to the test, and I did part of the test, the part that I could easily find online, part of the test is that if you are, uh, in their words, white, uh, you have white privilege by definition. Uh, clearly, the people who came up with the test weren't raised in, in southern poverty in the United States like my parents were, and the influence that that has in multiple generations. Uh, but also, apparently, in what's going around now, and not only has it been with uh, what's been coming out of what the SMP has been saying and some of the people around the SMP, but uh, it's also now emerging in television programs. Uh, I saw it in two television programs just this week, quite randomly, that if you're white, you're racist. Now, the irony is that saying that is by definition 
racist. And people don't get that. But frankly, I find it personally offensive to be white because I'm not white. I'm kind of a, a light tan color that varies depending on how much time I spend in the sun. And I've only met uh, a couple of genuinely white people or seen them. Uh, I've not really met genuinely white people. And they usually suffer from what's called albinism, which is a lack of pigmentation in your skin. And so all of this is going around and it is a real mess because many people are believing the ideology and many other people are afraid to speak up about their differences with the ideology because they're afraid of being canceled or attacked or picketed by groups like Extinction Rebellion or harassed online. Uh, and this is going on all around us. And it's, it has gotten worse in the last 10 years, and it will continue to get worse. Don't think that this is something that is going to be over anytime soon, because it's not. We're going to be dealing with these kinds of issues for some times, for some time yet to come. So as Christians, we need to understand what is going on, why is this all happening, and the Bible does have something to say about that. Why is this happening? And how do we live in light of what is happening? Because individually, we will not change it. And even corporately as the church, we're in a place where the church itself no longer has the authority or the power to bring about this change in society, at least right now. It may do by the grace of God at some point in the future. So it's a key question, how do we live in light of what is happening all around us? Well, we first need to understand a bit of what's happening, why it's happening. And I think the Bible gives us three very important insights into this. Uh, the first comes from Isaiah chapter 59, verses 14 and 15, if you want to turn. And I'll read those. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. First reason why we're seeing the kinds of things that we're seeing is that truth has stumbled in the public square. Truth is lacking in the public square. Now, if you want a, a contemporary illustration of the public square, that would be Speaker's Corner there in Hyde Park. It used to be that the public square was a place where people could come together and debate various issues and talk about various things. That's why Paul, in his missionary journeys, he would always go to the marketplace or to the public square. Now, obviously, the public square, primarily for us today, is no longer places like Hyde Park Corner. 
the public square is social media. It's media in all of its forms, YouTube and Facebook, uh, all the different ways that we engage with one another publicly. And we are living in a time where truth is lacking in the public square. In fact, many people don't care about truth. What they really care about is power to force other people to do what they want them to do. You see that all around. You see that in the government now of Myanmar. You see how it's not about truth, it's about power and using your power to make people believe what you want them to believe. Truth is lacking, it's stumbled in the public squares, it has failed in the public squares. And because of that, justice, that's putting wrong things right, is turned back. The idea is repelled by a hostile force here. Justice is turned back. Righteousness, any kind of idea that we should live by moral standards, righteousness and right relationship with other people, that's not the primary issue anymore. Because truth is lacking in the public squares. Uh, being upright, having an ethical quality of life, can't enter into this kind of situation. Because if you try to live, live equi uh, ethically, you will be attacked. It's not about ethics. You could see that in, in this whole thing that's happened with some of the demonstrations this week. And note what they say here, what, what God says through Isaiah, people who depart from evil themselves become a prey. And we can see that all around us. You can see that with people like J.K. Rowling, who was attacked viciously, basically because she made a, what would be a feminist kind of statement, but she was attacked vicious, viciously by what some would refer to as the woke left, because they thought that she was, was uh, being offensive to somebody. And so if you take a stand, you could become a prey, and so many people refuse to take a stand. They refuse to stand up and, and say the truth. Thankfully, I just read, uh, just read recently that there are a group of professors who are gonna set up a website that will counter some of this attempt to rewrite history. Be interesting to see what's gonna happen. So the first reason that we have this mess is because truth has failed in the public square. Truth has stumbled in the public square. It's no longer a key issue. But yet for us as Christians, truth is the foundational issue. And truth for us, obviously, is the person of Jesus. It comes from God. The second thing that we're seeing, you can find it there in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 to 15. If you want to turn with me, you'll see. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. By the way, this people was God's people. He's not talking about a foreign people. 
he's talking about God's people here. He says, don't walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, they shall fall and be broken, they shall be snared and taken. The second thing we're seeing here is that conspiracies, conspiracy theorists, and conspiracy spreaders have increased more quickly than a virus. We've got conspiracies all around us. And this is even amongst Christians. I started playing a, a game. We were with some friends, uh, and I started to devise my own conspiracy. And so I've come up with a conspiracy where actually the whole coronavirus situation was uh, you know, caused between a meeting with Bill Gates and Xi Jinping of China, who were actually golfing buddies in a secret meeting because Bill Gates didn't like Donald Trump and Xi Jinping wanted to bring down the West. And so they came up with this idea of creating this virus and getting uh, Joe Biden into, uh, uh, into the presidency. Uh, and I could really develop that and I could probably find you some pictures and things that would support that. Now, obviously that's absolutely not true, but I've read so many things just as ludicrous and it's not just from normal people, it's actually from people who call themselves Christians. And God says very clearly to us, do not call a conspiracy everything that these people are calling conspiracy. In fact, as Christians, we must avoid conspiracies and conspiracy theories. Doesn't mean they're not conspiracies. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Right? There are conspiracies, come on. But there are not as many conspiracies today as a lot of people are creating in their own minds. You can link almost anything. I've watched a, a video, I remember a few years ago on YouTube, and I watched a video that was linking key Christian leaders with uh, Satan worshipers. And they were able to do that because, well, this leader went to a conference with so-and-so, uh, and then so-and-so was in a city with a key Satanist uh, at, at one point in time, and they had a meeting, so that means that this Christian leader is in league with the Satanist. And it's like, come on, people. Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. Do not cause, call conspiracy all these things that people are calling conspiracies. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because what ends up happening, these conspiracies will come out of a sense of fear and of anxiety. And so people begin to develop them. But then the conspiracies themselves start to create more fear 
and more anxiety. And the problem, and this is, this is what uh, I, God's saying through Isaiah. And the problem is, the more anxiety that you have, you become chronically anxious. That's what the word dread means. It means chronically anxious, where you've got this constant anxiety going on in your life, and you become chronically anxious, and the more anxiety you have in your life, the more you will not see the truth. Anxiety distorts everything. Fear distorts everything. A number of years ago, they did a, an experiment with people who were afraid of, of spiders and people who weren't afraid of spiders. And in this experiment, they had people walk by a case with a big spider in it. And the people who were afraid of spiders, guess what? They overestimated the size of the spider by about 50% every single time. And people who were not afraid of spiders, they got it right almost every time. So that's what's happening. You've got conspiracies. You've got conspiracy theorists. You've got conspiracy spreaders. And what they're spreading is fear and anxiety. And the more fear and anxiety that there is, the less able people are to hear the truth and to even know what the truth is. And that includes the truth of the gospel of Jesus. That's why as Christians, we must spread the good news of Jesus not the false news or the strange news of conspiracies. Otherwise, if we spread conspiracies, we are undermining the gospel. Do not call conspiracy all that these people are calling conspiracy. And so we can see that. So people aren't interested in the truth. The truth has stumbled in the public squares in part because there has been this uprising of conspiracies, conspiracy theorists, and conspiracy spreaders that are proliferating and multiplying faster than any virus could. And then there's a third thing that the Bible tells us, third reason why we have such a problem in our society right now. This is Isaiah 50, verses 10 and 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. And this you'll have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. That's pretty powerful. The third issue is that people are trying to walk by the light of their own torch. They're trying to live by their own reason, by their own, this seems right to me. This seems like what's going on. And it causes problems. I've known so many times over the years, I can't tell you the number of times, when I've sat with, it's uh, not, not to pick on women, it tends to be the wife in a marriage relationship, 
sometimes it's the husband, tends to be the wife, where I've sat with a wife and she said, well, you know, I need to get a divorce. Uh, you know, we've just, we've just fallen out of love. You know, we, we just don't love each other anymore. Uh, we argue a lot. Uh, and it's going to be a lot better for my children if we just get a divorce. And I'll ask, you know, has there been any adultery? No, well, no, no. Has he beat you? No, no, no. Uh, and there's no biblical reason to get a divorce. But what is happening here in these situations, and it happens in every single situation, the woman has decided to walk by the light of her own torch. She decides what seems right and what seems reasonable. And it's not only that, it's happening in government. It's happening in government. I mean, that's a little bit of what Joe Biden has done in his decisions uh, regarding Afghanistan. That's a lot of what the government does with its decisions around the pandemic. From individuals to, to groups, people are walking by the light of their own torch. Now, if you are walking in darkness, and that's what he's talking about. He's talking about a proverbial darkness here. And that means that you're living, but you don't really know what you're supposed to do. Anybody been in that situation? I'm in that situation almost all the time. You're living, and you don't really know what to do. If you're walking in the darkness, you have two choices. And one is, and this is what he wants, if you're walking in the darkness, you don't have understanding, then trust in the Lord and rely on God. Trust in the Lord and rely on God. I mean, so many times over the last number of years as we've wrestled with the whole building redevelopment, you know, there have been many times when I've been tempted to kindle my own torch and to do what made sense to me. And so far, I can tell you that the story's not been fully written yet, so we'll see what happens. But so far, I can tell you that if I would have kindled my own torch, I would have been wrong every single time. There's so many things like that in the life of the church, where if I tried to do it, kindle my own torch, or if the elders tried to do it. I remember one time, we had a, a pastoral situation where we were looking after somebody. And I, and I just thought, I knew that I knew that I knew that this approach was the right way to help this person. And I brought the, the thing to the elders. And the elders said, no, we need to do this. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's terrible. I mean, that's, that's not even pastoral, you know, to do that to this person. Obviously, I can't go into details. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, well, wait a month, and I'll bring it up next month and then everybody will see my way and do what I want. And so I brought it up next month, and everybody was even more set against doing what I thought was the right way to go. Now, what made this worse was that I was the one that had to go to the person. And we have a rule with our elders that once we take a decision corporately as the elders, it's all our decision. The only way for it not to be your decision is if you resign. So I had to go and say, not, you know, those 
mean, terrible elders decided this against my wishes, but I had to go and say to this person, well, sorry, but we've decided to do this. And the person was pretty upset. But then six months later, their circumstances changed completely. And they ended up in a better situation than they would have been had we done what I wanted to do. And the guy came back to me and said, Rod, thank you so much. And thank the elders for making that decision because it was absolutely the best decision for me. You don't kindle your own torch. You have to trust in the Lord and rely on God. And God says this, and you need to take note of this, do not kindle your own fire or walk by your own torch. Don't come up with the ideas yourself. Don't just do it yourself. Because this you will have from my hand, the Lord says, you will lie down in torment. If you live by the light of your own torch, it will only lead to torment. And I have seen it time after time after time after time. And I'm talking about Christians. You know, forget about non-Christians at this stage. I'm talking about Christians who knew what they should have done, who had a clear sense of God's will and God's word, and they said, no, I think this is more reasonable, and I should do this. And every single time, they come up with great reasons, and you know you can't argue somebody out of their position. You shouldn't even try. But they ended up in torment. They ended up choosing the difficult way and walking in that difficult way. So people are kindling their own fire, walking by their own torch. They're becoming conspiracy theorists and conspiracy spreaders, and truth has stumbled in the public square. And because of that, we have the kind of confusion that we are seeing all around us. We're hearing it in people's lives, as well as in our government, as well as in our media, and so on and so forth. So how do we live? We, how do we live in this kind of mess? Well, that's where Peter and what God said in Isaiah really comes in here. We live by honoring Jesus with our lives and how we live. In your hearts, Peter says, honor Christ the Lord as holy. That's an echo of what God says in Isaiah. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. This, this is the key for us. This is the key. To honor Christ the Lord as holy means to remember that Jesus is above all of these things. Don't pull Jesus down in the mess, but keep your focus on Jesus. Honoring Christ as holy means remembering that Jesus is the one true living God, the transcendent Lord of the universe. Honoring Christ as holy means that declaring that Jesus is pure, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's right in every single one of his judgments. And we have to live with this reality that Christ the Lord is holy. We honor him and we live accordingly. Now what does this mean in practical, in practical ways? It means one, do good. Do good 
according to the Word of God. That's one of our most important things. Every single day when you're in your work, you should be saying, God, how can I do good to the people I'm working with? How do I do good to my neighbors? How do I do good to my family? But remember, according to Peter, remember, just because you do the right thing doesn't mean it's going to work out the right way. Do you know you can do the right thing and say the right thing and be crucified for it? Jesus is evidence. But you don't even have to look that far back. You can look over the last couple of weeks in social media. Do good. Second way, second practical thing, is we must resist fear and anxiety. Resist it every single day and every minute of the day. Become alert to anxiety. Anxiety is more deadly for you than any virus. Anxiety is more deadly than almost anything you'll come in contact with. So resist it. And if you want to find practical ways to resist anxiety, go to Philippians chapter 4. Or come on the Freed to Lead course that we'll be offering, because we've got a whole section on anxiety, because it's such a big issue. Resist anxiety. Resist fear. Be prepared to defend the reason for your hope. You know, things are kind of dark right now in many respects globally. But I have so much hope. I have so much hope. I am filled with hope. I believe the best days of the Church of Jesus Christ are yet to come. I'm not a guy looking to go back to the New Testament church. I want to go forward to the resplendent bride of Christ. I've got hope all around me. I know that Jesus Christ has brought everything the world needs to fix every single problem the world has. I know this to be true. And I can see it all around me. I can point and say almost every difficult thing that happens in individual lives or in globally happens because of human sinfulness. I see it time after time, and Jesus has given us the antidote to human sinfulness in his death on the cross and his resurrection. We need to be prepared at any moment in time to share that hope with the people around us. The people around us, they don't need platitudes. They don't need counter-conspiracies. They don't need uh, extra YouTube channels. Uh, they don't need extra you know, advice on how to do this or that. What they do need is hope. And they do need to know that the hope that we have as people is found in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Human beings are not going to fix climate change. Human beings are not going to cause uh, us to avoid our extinction. Human beings are not going to fix government. Human beings are not going to fix the economy. It can only happen through Jesus Christ. And we must be ready to defend our faith. But as we do so, we must defend our faith with gentleness and respect. 
And this is something that's sorely lacking amongst Christians today, especially Christians in the West. I have seen so much hatred and vitriol coming from Christians, coming from the pulpit. And it sickens me because we think we're defending Christ, but we're bringing Christ down. And it must stop. If we're answering our opponents with anything other than gentleness and respect, with a completely clear conscience, then you are sinning even as you think you're defending Christ. And you cannot defend Christ while you're walking willfully in sinfulness. We defend our faith with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. So that we put our critics and the critics of Jesus and his church to shame by our behavior. When they, when they criticize us, when they attack us, our behavior should cause them shame. And you know what I found? Most of the time it doesn't. I'm just being honest. Most of the time it doesn't. But what it does do, it makes everybody who witnesses their shameful behavior against us begin to say, you know, there must be something to that Jesus because I see it in the way that they live their lives. I see it in the way they live their lives. We really are in a an incredibly messed up time in our world. But at the same time, Jesus is still on the throne. At the same time, Jesus' death and resurrection still accomplishes everything we need to live for God, to live in hope, and to have confidence in a better future. We might see a lot of brokenness in the church, but the church is the bride of Christ who's making herself holy so she'll be a pure and spotless bride to Jesus. Jesus really is the only hope for our world. And we need to honor Christ as holy in our hearts and in our lives so that everybody around us sees that Jesus is the hope. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you and we honor you. We worship you and we adore you. And I pray, Father God, that you would help us. Help us to see more clearly by your light and your understanding everything that is happening around us so that we will not kindle our own torch. Help us to see through every conspiracy theory that arises and every conspiracy spreader to see down to the real truth. And help us when truth is stumbling in the public square, when those who stand for truth become the victims of evil, help us even so be willing 
to stand for truth in our own lives and in the way that we live. Send us in the power of your Holy Spirit to live for you. We pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's join in singing our closing song.